afternoon or morning, listeners. This is Zach Gander. You're listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and ExcellentCultures.com. I am hosting the show with the in. Uh, I've been told I can't use the word in. Well, inevitable, inevitable because anymore. you can't pronounce it, and we just figured out that neither one of us know what it really means. Uh, okay, so well, last show we defined it sort of. I, I came up a new word then. You looked, then, you looked it up on Wikipedia. So, no, well, yeah, something like that. <laughs> Wikipedia is a horrible resource, yeah, by the it way. Certainly is. Anyways, uh, today we are welcoming Steve Gandra. The new, the new word I'm going to use: the indefatigable. I think I'm saying it right. Hold on, hold on. We're going to find out. I don't know if you guys could hear that, but the computer's telling me how to say it. What does it mean? I don't know. Yeah. Come on. It's a word to describe you. Okay, the definition is incapable of being fatigued. Well, that's that's good thought. To yeah, think. that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to, to trying to build you up my while, kids would, uh, my while kids we're would engaging listeners. Enjoy that. Enjoy yeah. that. I, I, however, I know it's untrue because <laughs> You've I've seen, seen me you when I've crashed on, yeah, on the couch a few times. <laughs> So we had a great show last week. You guys want to make sure and check out the podcast on excellentcultures.com. We were excited to to have a great discussion with Liz Gonzalez, a phenomenal leader at uh, Toyota USA. Yeah, Steve? To- yeah, Toyota great, Motor USA. great, great woman leader. Just brilliant, very insightful, very astute. Yeah. Um, uh, it's three of the best, you know, really four of the best focus points for leadership development that she shared with us that I'd ever heard. Yeah, and I've been around doing this stuff for a while. Yeah, and it was uh, it was encouraging to hear because if you're one of those people that uh, you know you you you're worried that you sold your soul to the corporation, uh, maybe you haven't. Maybe maybe you did, but it wasn't the corporation's fault. Yeah, well, and, maybe you uh, did, but it was your idea yeah. instead of the corporation's. Right, right, yeah. So uh, excellent. I don't know. I highly highly recommend that you listen to it on excellentcultures.com. Or just search uh, iTunes podcast for Biz Culture. We're the only one that pops up. So today, Steve, we have an incredible show coming up. You've got a great interviewee for us to interview today. Do you want to tell us well, a little bit about uh, I've him? I've known Daniel Malarkey for a while. I first met Daniel when uh, he was one of the senior leaders at the Washington State Department of Commerce. And I must say, very honestly, when we first had the opportunity to work with uh, Rogers Weed, who was Daniel's boss at the time, former Microsoft uh, executive, and uh, Daniel and their team, you know, I was kind of dragging my feet, dra- you know, gritting my teeth, saying, oh, no, these are slow government uh, guys, and it's all about politics. But, man, was I amazed. I mean, Daniel and Rogers and the team they put together at the Washington State Department of Commerce, amazing people and amazing culture. Um, we worked on a lean, developing a lean culture project there, and now Daniel is in a, a new life and a new opportunity with a great firm that we're going to get him to tell, tell you about uh, shortly. But uh, this is a pretty amazing guy. has had experience with big corporate America, formerly you know, a leader at Amazon, with the public sector in the Washington State Department of Commerce, and now uh, he's in a pretty exciting, you know, lean and green, make it happen in a beautiful way startup yeah. that has tremendous promise and a brilliant future. So, Daniel, uh, tell us tell us about your work and your background and especially this great new startup that you're involved in that everybody needs to know about. Hey, Steve, uh, thanks so much for that very kind introduction. And, and Zach, thanks for the chance to be on the show. Uh yeah, I'm very excited to uh, be working with this company called One Energy Systems. Uh, we are a software company, so uh, the founders uh, are from Microsoft and have uh, got a great uh, you know, group of, of technologists and, and software developers. And we're really working on the problem of how we're going to integrate renewable energy into the electric grid. Um, so as more and more... Uh, solar energy and wind energy becomes part of our grid solution, uh, it presents certain opportunities and certain challenges. And what we're really seeing is that the historic model of the, of the way the electric utility grid worked, where you had one big central source of, of generation of power, and it got pushed out into this whole distribu- you know, transmission and distribution network, was really getting turned on its head. 
uh, and we've got new we've got one new photovoltaic system being installed uh, being installed on residential rooftops about every four minutes now in this country. Wow. And photovoltaic prices have come down and down and down, and they're really reaching what we call grid parity in some parts of the country, not in the Northwest where we still have very cheap hydroelectric uh, hydroelectricity, um, but in those areas where uh, renewables really are getting competitive with um, conventional sources of energy, you're seeing this big switch to much more distributed energy generation, and that creates some big opportunities, but also some challenges to the grid. And so what we do is are, are writing software to uh, help manage energy storage assets. So think about large batteries that are installed in utility substations that help manage the fluctuation that uh, these renewable sources can bring, and also um, uh, so if you know a cloud goes overhead, suddenly you have a drop in voltage, then they can help stabilize that by bringing on that power. And also, you know, parking power when it's the middle of the day and the sun's shining and the, sol- the renewables are generating more energy than the grid needs, and then bringing it on at night when the sun goes down and people are going home and turning on their stoves. So it's a big market. Um, California, uh, just to the south, has... Uh, passed a, uh, just this week, passed a rule by its utilities commission that the utilities there are to, are, are to acquire 1.325 gigawatts. Um, that's a lot. Well, Whatever a gigawatt is, it's a lot. It's a lot. Of, of, well, uh, we know how many storage. gigawatts it took to power the time machine in Back to the Future. Yeah, There you go. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's a big market for us. And for me, you know, uh, it's been a great transition from working in a you know, in a in a larger enterprise into working into a small enterprise. Um, you know, I, I tell people, you know, I, I really was very grateful to have my time of public service uh, working at the state of Washington. You know, had a great leader in Governor Gregoire and a great leader in my boss, Rogers Weed. And it was really fun and it was really great working with Steve and, and the insights he brought and his team brought to helping try to move the culture of that organization forward. And and I tell people, you know, what's the, when they ask me, what's the, what's the, change been like going from, you know, helping run the Department of Commerce to joining a startup. And I said, well, it's a little bit like going from the bridge of a big ocean liner, uh, which is fun in its own way, to jumping into a sea kayak. Uh, so, you know, you know, in the ocean liner, you've got to plan your turn, you know, a couple miles ahead of time, and uh, lots of people are involved. And, uh, you know, sea kayak is much more nimble, but a, a wave that we might roll over in the ocean liner could wipe us out. So, you know, we're... Uh, it's exciting, uh, it's fun, and I, I'm real, really happy to uh, be in this business. So, Daniel, tell us a little bit more about the this new technology that's emerging that you guys are in the midst of contributing to and creating. Are these are the big batteries already made, and uh, your value proposition at One Energy is about uh, you know distributing it and storing it and orchestrating it, or is there still a lot of batteries that need to get made and created and invented? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, innovation right now in the battery space. And so there are a bunch of different uh, battery chemistries. So we hear a lot about lithium ion, and we're used to seeing having those in our laptop computers sure. and cell phones. And now we're seeing them in cars. In cars, yes. Uh, and, and, uh, and that battery chemistry is uh, useful for some other applications, but there are many other kinds of uh uh, battery chemistry. There's something called a vanadium flow battery. We have a company in Washington called Uni Energy Technologies that we're partnering with. It's got a very interesting chemistry that um, has you know different attributes that make it valuable. And so I'm actually uh, at a conference this week in uh, where we're where there are lots of different uh, battery technologies. Our our software solution is agnostic as to battery chemistry. What we're really about is there are kind of two main thrust to our work. One is helping uh, advance an industry standard that allows for more plug-and-play components. So much as you have a PC today and you have there's kind of a standard way that a hard disk would, would has connections to allow it to plug into a, you know, a standard PC, um, you know, it took a while for those standards to develop, you know, whether you think about USB or all the various you know, ways that make it easy for us to plug electronic components together. Well, that just right now in the battery storage world, it's all custom-engineered, one-off connections. And so we're really advancing a standard which we think should you know bring down the costs. And so we're out there encouraging the various participants in the market to move to the standard. 
And then we're providing this a software platform, which makes it easier for the utilities to uh, get the most value out of that particular battery. Um, so their batteries can do lots of different things for utilities, and our real particular value add is having a software platform so it can do multiple things at once. And that um, is uh, kind of the key to unlocking the value in, in battery storage. So kind of multitasking and maximizing the energy sources that are available at the best available cost and price points and timing without having to think about it because once a software is programmed, it does it for you? Is that a good way it, to describe it? That's a great way to describe it. You know, we sometimes, you know, you'll hear the criticism, hey, you know, battery storage is just too expensive. You know, we can't make it pencil. And there's certainly, you know, there are different, you know, solutions for, you know, shaving the peak periods off that are less expensive. But the, the analogy we sometimes use is it's a little bit like, you know, you look at a flip phone versus a smartphone. And you go, well, a smartphone compared to my to a flip phone, like that's way expensive. Why would I spend so much money on a smartphone if I could get a flip phone for, you know, uh, uh, twentieth, you know, for free or for you know twenty percent of the cost? Well, it's because that smartphone can do so much more, and it really is that ability to not only you know take serve as the phone, but serve as your email and pictures and all the things we're doing with our smartphones these days. So, part of what we're what our software enables really is a bunch of different apps uh, that can work together uh, to drive the most value out of that battery. Excellent. We need to go into our first break, but I'm just posing the question I haven't, or the thought that I haven't seen a flip phone in at least a month. <laughs> <laughs> I so, saw one on TV yesterday. Yeah, so I think I think the world is going to be going in the direction that you guys are that you guys are going. So we need to take our first break. You're listening to Biz Culture Matters. On Clay 1180. We'll be right back. Remember Ross Perot, the Texas millionaire who ran for president in the early 90s? Did you realize that he's built multiple companies that sold for billions? Each of his companies held a strong values based culture. We interviewed his CFO and COO. His insightful comments on the role of culture in business are posted on the Culture News blog at excellentcultures.com. Take a look. You'll gain wonderful insights to building your own excellent cultures on excellentcultures.com. You can also follow us at XLNT Cultures or Facebook slash Excellent Cultures. Off-the-cuff management is old school at the very least. With culture at the root of every business problem or success, data-driven strategic leadership is where today's best businesses are focused. No one knows that better than Excellent Cultures. After 35 years, they are the Northwest's premier strategic leadership firm. Excellent Cultures has the expertise to read the soul of your business and generate abundance. Take the free BizCulture MRI or ask the experts at excellentcultures.com. As an executive, CEO, or business owner, do you find yourself struggling with work-life balance and achieving your goals at work and home? Are you overwhelmed in your workload and feel important things aren't getting done? Our coaches specialize in helping leaders like you overcome challenges and build a plan to recenter their life, to achieve the balance and success you've always hoped for in your business and your personal life. Ask the experts at Excellent Cultures about the right plan for you. We're back on... Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 with uh, Daniel Malarkey of One Energy Systems. If you're just joining us before the break, we were talking about Daniel's unique background as a culture-based leader. He, you know, has spent time in big corporate America with Amazon as a leader, and then again in the public sector with the Washington State Department of Commerce, where we met Daniel and had the opportunity to work with him on a culture project there at the State Department of Commerce, a lean culture that they built now. Daniel is telling us about his new career in the startup, exciting startup, One Energy Systems, that by my layperson's technology definition uh, is software that has the capacity to enable all sorts of renewable energy to kind of multitask and maximize the effectiveness of the cost and the timing and the utilization of batteries and all the things that will essentially improve our energy efficiency, improve our, our green footprint capacity, 
reduce the carbon footprint, help the planet grow greener and better, and do it at a lower cost than what we're spending. Is that a good way to describe it? Yeah, maybe you ought to do my job. You ought to do stuff <laughs> for my company. I think I should probably go try to figure out how to do something else. Yeah, I just good. I just enjoy you know listening to your value proposition because you know it's so exciting for all of us. I mean, who can't get excited about their electricity bill going down? You know. Yeah, no, and I think it absolutely. You know, I think we both need. You know, we need to take on take seriously the uh, you know the science around climate change and you know carbon emissions and. You know, it's interesting. I, you know, I'd worked in the policy and political realm, and you know, there's there's still debates going on. But once once I get actually into the realm of science and utilities, and like people aren't, they're not arguing about you know what's carbon doing to our climate. They're saying, okay, how are we going to solve this problem, and let's let's go do it in a way that you know we can all feel great about for our own lives and our kids and our grandchildren. So uh, I think there are some great low cost solutions. We are going to have to change and adapt, but I think. You know, that's what's fun about working in a technology company is, you know, people really are geared towards, hey, what's the new thing? What's cool? How can we make this whole thing work better and, 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 and improve our lives? So, um, you know, I did want to, it's inter- you know, we were talking about, cult- you know, talking about the culture work we did at Commerce, and it's been really interesting for me to kind of reflect on the differences between, you know, the culture, you know, that was present in a large state bureaucracy and you know what I'm seeing in in a, a small startup, and um, you know I think there's what's interesting. There there's some similarities, which is is that you know Steve, you'll recall that you know there there were a lot of people who really were committed to the mission of public service. Absolutely, people were you know cared a lot about you know whether it was providing low income housing or thinking about energy policy or you know working helping uh, uh, victims of domestic domestic violence. You know, people really cared about the mission, and you know, I think so. They were, it was a mission-oriented enterprise, and I do see that you know clearly in my new company too. That uh, you know, One Energy people really are they care about the mission of trying to you know have a cleaner, uh, low-carbon energy future, and they're also excited about you know being able to have an impact in the world and really sort of you know even though we're a small, relatively small company. You know, we're working in an important space, in an important space, and really think we can have an influence. So, I think there's some surprising parallels in terms of kind of being, you know, the importance of a mission that people can get behind and feel, um, you know, excited about. And I think that really does, you know, there that, that there's some big similarities there. You know, and I've also, you know, then you know, then there are these big differences just in scale. You know, and so, you know, Steve, you may remember that at Commerce, you know, we spent a long time just trying to update our website, yep. right? Because you've got yep. Geez, you know, you, you know, with it's you know, commerce is a you know big enterprise, lots of different programs, trying to get everybody you know moved from one you know web platform to another. You know, that was a nine-month process. You know, and you know, I come into this new company and we're like, hey, you know, we need to update our website. It really isn't you know doing a great job of talking about what we do, and you know, it's a six-week project. Uh, and that's sometimes that gets contrasted. Oh, that's you know, government versus the private sector. You know, in my mind, it's it's sort of Big enterprise versus small enterprise. Yeah. I think yeah. you know there's just some some things you can do when you're small and nimble. That uh, we you know we look at some of our large private sector participants in in the energy space and see them as being pretty pretty slow as well. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's all about the culture, as Daniel said. And um, you know, I came to know Daniel as a very culture based culture focused culture sensitive culture intense leader in a way that uh, really helped maximize much of the performance not just of the organization but the people and uh, what we wanted Daniel to you know share with us on the show today is kind of you know his his view uh, having worked both in the public sector and in the large corporate private sector and in the entrepreneurial startup private sector all over the marketplace his view of, an, you know, with all of his experience, an ideal culture of ethics, values, and employee engagement. You know, Daniel, you've worked in all three. What's in common, and what should our listeners who are leaders of businesses and organizations of all types focus on to get to the sweet spot of the right culture? Yeah, so I think, you know, uh, there's a, you know, the framework that, you know, we worked on, you know, together, Steve, which is, you know, how, you know, the different kind of components of what, you know, get people excited about going to work, you know, and so one is that they want to feel like, 
they're having an impact in the world, that they're actually, you know, that they're achievement-oriented, that things are, that the work they do is connected to something larger and they can see stuff getting done. Um, you know, they also want to see that there is a development path for them personally, that they're actually able to be all that they can be at work and that they're uh, being stretched. And, and they get that message because their leaders take time to help them develop professionally. Um, and then they want to feel some kind of personal connection. You know, they want to, you know, we're a social animal. You know, we evolved in, in, to, in, in groups, you know, and we're, we want to feel that connection, uh, you know, as 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 people to each other. And so, you know, I think, you know, they, they and those, those things get mixed a little bit. And I'd say, you know, one contrast, you know, it, they, they're more, certain things are more important in different organizations. You know, I think, you know, commerce, that personal connection and, um, you know, how we all relate to one another was, was particularly important. Um, you know, my current organization, you know, is, is, is very performance oriented. Uh, and it's like, hey, we're, you know, we're, Trying to deliver software on deadlines, and it's kind of a heads down. You know, let's meet this 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 next uh, milestone. And uh, and I've also seen, you know, you know how our senior engineers works with our junior engineers, and so really engages them on problem solving. And it's like, okay, here's a problem. How are you solving it? And and then he kind of says, well, you know, let's could we think about it this way? And so. There's a way in which he is teaching and helping develop them while they're working on the problem. And so there's, um, it's just interesting for me to kind of think about those, you know, those different attributes of, you know, how, do you, how are we achievement-oriented and performance-oriented? You know, how do we work as a group? Uh, and how do we uh, develop, you know, as, uh, as individuals and kind of how they get emphasized? But I think those three things really are, uh, are key uh, to any you know, high-functioning culture, and um, and I think they kind of, the, the, the different, they get different weights depending on the particular, you know, life cycle that, a, that an organization is in. Yeah, what's so interesting is as you highlight, the, highlight those three areas of people feeling like they're making an, a difference by the goals that they set and achieve and uh, developing themselves to, you know, self-actualizing professionally, um, you know, our two critical key areas to the success of any firm. I mean, if you've got people that are all about setting and achieving goals and they're all about, you know, continuous improvement and being all that they can be, every firm, every business, public or private, every organization benefits from that significantly. But uh, typically what, um, you know, technology, you know, industries and, you know, and even government agencies are notorious for is, you know, getting so focused on either the politics, if it's a government agency, or, you know, the bottom line and the hitting the deadlines, if it's, if it's private sector, uh, or some of both, you know, in, in both areas, depending upon the organization and their size, what typically gets left out is the deepening of the personal connections that exist between the people, you know, the, the social piece, the team piece that you talked about. Uh, you know, a second ago, uh, you know, we've seen examples like, uh, you know, with with Steve Jobs' work, you know, at Apple and his, you know, high intense, you know, heavy focus on innovation, innovation, innovation. But then now that he's passed on, you know, the feedback around, well, we were very innovative, but you know, afraid to get into the elevator with Steve alone, uh, just because we were intimidated by you know his intelligence and his style and his focus and those sorts of things. Uh, where do you see, Daniel, where do you see the right balance, the sweet spot between, you know, high performance and the depth of the interpersonal connections like the one you described so well that exists between, you know, your head engineer and and the folks that he depends on to help solve problems? Yeah, I think it's, um, it's I, you know, I think this, one, I think you've got to pay attention to it. And so, I, I you know, part of it for me the, you know, I think you've got to, there's a way in, I think it's when the performance, you know, uh, goal starts undermining the interpersonal goal and you start treating people poorly because you stop respecting them or you, um, you know, you start, you kind of, you lose the human angle because you're so focused on the performance and the achievement that you, that, 
that's when that's when you get you tip too far. And I think it's been interesting a little bit for me, you know, because I think our I would say our current you know company culture is a little low on um, kind of the humanistic connection piece because we're mostly software engineers and you know some of those stereotypes about you know <laughs> you know it's a very it's a pretty male culture you know we have one woman on staff right now uh, and you know we have you know software engineers who are pretty comfortable you know in heads down with their faces in front of yeah, computer screens dealing with code. dealing with software and code and numbers uh, and so I think. You know, and so I think one of the things I'm bringing, frankly, to a relatively small organization is, hey, this is great, and there's some great, I see some great examples of, you know, this kind of mentoring and kind of connecting at a human level, but our head of engineering is also pretty hardcore. You know, he could also be a little intimidating, you know, because he's like, you know, long career at Microsoft, really sharp guy, and, you know, I see him doing a good job, but I could imagine some different personality types that would that would not do well with him. Um I hope I, if he's listening, I, I'll, I'll, I've talked to him about this. Mm. So it's like we'll email him a link. So yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit more of, uh, you know, it's like, hey, you no, know, we need. We also got to think about what's the culture that we're going to have here as we want to grow. And I think it's such, you know, I think you talk to any tech company that really wants to say, hey, we want to get the best engineers. But we also know that you want a diversity of, you know, of backgrounds and, you know, the paucity of, of female developers is an issue that we've all got to develop. So I'm there, hey, look, you know, we want, we're a growing company. We want to be adding, you know, a diverse staff. And so we've got to really be thinking about a culture here that's going to be welcoming, that's going to be high performance, but that's going to be welcoming and, you know, where people are going to feel like there is that human connection. Absolutely. Sounds like you guys have some, a fun journey ahead of you. Yeah, it's super, you know, it really is fun. And it's, you know, it's great to be on a growth trajectory and feeling like you've got, um, you know, some, you know, early getting some traction with some early customers. Uh, we were fortunate, uh, you know, actually kind of had the first live deployment of our software last week. I was back in North Carolina uh, at Duke Energy, and, you know, Duke is the country's largest investor-owned utility, and uh, they've been leaders in really trying to look at how to use energy storage in a way that adds value to their grid and adds value for their customers. And so uh, they are did kind of the uh, deployment of our software in a, in a battery storage system that's connected to a substation that's uh, integrating a large amount of uh, photovoltaic uh, energy. And so that was very exciting, you know, to always, you know, kind of your first customer where they're actually using your software. Absolutely. Is, is a big milestone. So, that's huge. Uh, you know, that's a, you know, exciting, exciting time just to getting traction with customers like Duke and really feeling like we, we we're in a market that's ready for what we've got to offer. Excellent. we got to go into our second break, but we will be right back with Daniel Malarkey from One Energy Systems, VP from Business Development and Public Policy. You're listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM. ExcellentCultures.com is always interviewing leaders committed to cultural leadership, excellence, and change. These leaders, like Russell Freeman, Ross Perot's COO, and Bob Hinton, CPA and Moss Adams' managing partner, have world-class ideas. As advocates for creating a strong corporate culture that builds people and serves customers with excellence, they share breakthrough business ideas. Gain insights from Russell, Bob, and others on the Culture News blog at ExcellentCultures.com. Off-the-cuff management is old school at the very least. With culture at the root of every business problem or success, data-driven strategic leadership is where today's best businesses are focused. No one knows that better than Excellent Cultures. After 35 years, they are the Northwest's premier strategic leadership firm. Excellent Cultures has the expertise to read the soul of your business and generate abundance. Take the free BizCulture MRI or ask the experts at excellentcultures.com. Has business taken over your life? Are you living to work or working to live? Stress, broken marriages, neglected relationships, and poor health are symptoms of a life out of balance. The right coaching plan can have transformational impact on the quality of your performance at work, depth of relationships at home, and personal sense of well-being. Ask the experts at Excellent Cultures how coaching can help you maximize your life and optimize your work. Stop struggling to survive. Ask the experts at Excellent Cultures how coaching can help you maximize your life and optimize your work. We're 
We're back in Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 with Daniel Malarkey at One Energy Systems. And if you're just tuning in, we have spoken to Daniel about his very, very colorful and expansive career as a leader in a large public servant organization at the Washington State Department of Commerce at uh, in a large corporation at you know Amazon.com prior to joining uh, the Department of Commerce and then now at a uh, startup with high innovation software in the energy field at One Energy Systems. And before the break, Daniel, you made you know you made a comment that I wish we could kind of put in a bronze plaque and hand out to every startup, especially technology startups. In the Seattle area, we have so many technology startups because of the influence of both, you know, Google and Amazon and Microsoft and our great technology firms here in the Northwest. Uh, it's it's the, uh, where's, what's the culture that we're going to have that's going to grow? And uh, while we're all about keeping our head down in innovation and developing products and services that get the job done. Uh, as the business grows, we're going to add more people. And you gave a great example about male versus female, you know, developers and growing the culture. The, you know, where, where's, what's the culture that we're going to have that's going to grow? Not just that's going to get us through the startup phase and into the next chapter of our business. Uh, if you could identify, what can you identify that you see? I mean, again, uh, you got to be a real valuable commodity for any startup because you've seen all sides of the picture, you know, in the big side, on the public sector side, the private sector side, as well as the entrepreneurial side. You know, what advice can you give to all startups who are not just here to get it going and then and then have a exit event where everybody cashes in their money and goes, but wants to build a sustainable entity a culture that grows for the long haul. Yeah, well, one thing, you know, I think in addition to, you know, the, the three points that we've, we've talked about, which is, you know, you know, getting a mission that people care about, uh, you know, delivering on performance towards that mission and really being focused on, you know, getting real stuff done, then the, you know, the personal development, you know, how, how, how does each person growing in their job and feeling like they're becoming more self-actualized and the ability to kind of Reach their personal potential, and then thirdly, have that human connection with their with their team. You know, it, all that stuff really starts with the leadership of an organization. And I think you know part of my advice to any you know startup entrepreneur, which is you know start thinking early about your culture. And uh, you know, Steve Singh at Concur uh, was on GeekWire, which you know is uh, uh, had an interview recently, and he he's you know he's a great entrepreneur. You know, Concur is a very successful company uh, doing you know expense management software, and he just was really couldn't have been clear about you know cult that he wished he had started attending to culture earlier on, and that it really at some point started limiting his growth. And he realized that he needed to change some leadership people in leadership because even though they were getting the job done, they weren't you know advancing the culture that was really going to help the enterprise grow. So I think you know you it, it's never too early to start thinking about the, the culture that you're developing. And it really is, I think, one of the, the key things that uh, a CEO and the senior leadership team need to be thinking about. Um, and there's a way in which it feels a little fluffy. You know, it's like, hey, we've got, you know, we, you know, there's so many concrete things that you need to do, whether it's, you know, raise capital or get customers or hit your development milestones that, you know, you can be so performance-oriented. It's like, ah, you know, culture is fluff. But, uh, you know, if you don't attend to the people, who are part of, who are doing the work and are part of the enterprise, you know, very quickly you'll, you'll go down a track that really you'll stop creating value because you know, your value creators are dis disengaged. Yeah, very well said. Very well said. So uh, let's talk about uh, this uh, culture is fluff perspective because we hear that a lot. We hear that a lot in a lot of places. And, um, you know, I was on a PBS show last week on business culture, and, you know, one of the questions at the end— Hasn't aired yet, though. Yeah, it, it, yet. it will let you know when it airs. But one of the questions was about, um, you know, are there any bad cultures? And, uh, you know, we've been studying business cultures for over 36 years, 
And uh, I can't honestly say that there are any bad cultures. There, there's just a lot of naive cultures that, uh, as you said, Daniel, get so focused on the here and now that they don't look at the long term or they don't pay attention to what's going on or they don't have systems and processes in place that give them the right kind of feedback on where their culture is going and what their people are thinking or how they're feeling. Um, and even, you know, with, with the available tools, you know, surveys and, and, you know, the Gallup instruments and what have you that don't really address root causes of what's really going on in the culture. They just kind of tell us the surface level symptoms. Um, you know, what's, what's the right balance in the, you know, building the startup culture and uh, maintaining and, bu and building, let's say, building it in a way that is both, not one or the other, but both, you know, high performance, cutting edge, get the job done, you know, be ahead of the competition, uh, get the projects finished ahead of time, on time, under budget, but do it in a way that builds the kind of culture that does those three things that you identified for us. I mean, what's the balance between the two? What what advice can you give to other startups in the technology field? Because, I mean, you guys are the, are the future of our nation. I mean, we just got a Gallup pullback with 70% disengaged workers, and the chairman of Gallup, I think, told us that, that the 20% who now say they hate their jobs, most common reason they hate their boss, are costing our national economy something like $500 billion. Um, and technology companies are, you know, are the future of our nation. That's where we excel. That's where we have excelled. We can continue to excel. How do we build these uh, technology solutions with cultures full of people that last the long haul and don't just go away because of interviews like, you know, Steve gave that you just shared? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not... Um I'm not sure there. Are, I think there may there are some bad cultures. <laughs> you know, so I mean, I think I can. You know, I think there were. Yeah, I think there are some some cultures I've observed in the public sector that are that are. Yeah, they're just not healthy because they're about uh, just bad cultures. Yeah, they're just because they're not about. You know, they're about power and control. They're about intimidation. They're about you know, CYA. They're they're not really you know the kind when you kind of look at how why do people do what they're doing? It's not because they're trying to advance the mission it's because they're trying to look good or they're trying to make somebody else look bad or i mean it's just it's like no it's just they're not they've kind of lost sight so i do think there are you know cultures that can really end up being destructive and i think that can actually happen you know in in tech companies and you know i think and there's a way in which the um you know the quick payoff um you know that model can work so i mean i think there have been you know, I think you know. Ultimately, if you're, hey, we're going to be a humanistic. We're going to care about people. You know, how do you balance that with some of the reputation in the tech sector? You know, people are putting in 80-hour weeks, and they're like, you know, going all out and kind of using up, you know, all their personal energy and, and work. And so, you know, I think that can work. You're saying, hey, we're going to really work super hard for six years, and then we're going to sell out, and then we're going to go, you know, spend, you know, a year at the beach, and then we'll go figure out what we're going to do next. And so. You know, I think that, um, and you'll definitely, you know, if you read, you know, tech CEO interviews, there are plenty of companies out there that kind of, you know, that work people really hard. And and so I think that can work for a while because people get a lot of, you know, satisfaction from the performance. And if you're getting rich, then there's a bunch of things, you or you think you're getting rich, then there's a bunch of things that can kind of, you can, you know, not pay attention to for a while. Um, and so I think, you know, it's a, that can be, you know, I, you know, I, I certainly have had insight into tech companies where I think they haven't had really healthy cultures because some of those things have been in play, right? Because people have been working super long hours. There's the potential of a big payoff, and so they just tolerate things because, you know, they get enough satisfaction across those other dimensions. So, you know, I, I can't unequivocally say, hey, the way to build a successful, you know, tech company is to, you know, really, you know, be thoughtful across all dimensions, you know, performance, you know, professional development for your people and how and how they connect to each other. Because I can point to examples where they're you know, someone's had a good exit but, you know, they, they didn't treat their people particularly well. Yeah. Um so but I think you know, I think if you're trying to build a sustainable enterprise, if you're trying to build saying, Hey, we're not gonna just, you know, create some IP and sell it and then go off and do something else, then you know, you're, if you really are trying to build a company that you hope that will be around 5, 10, 15, 20 years, you know, that then you really have got to start figuring this stuff out. 
We need to go into uh, a com- our last commercial break, but I think a great teaser for the next section is how do we figure that stuff out? What do you think? Can we go into that? Sounds good. All right. You're listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and excellentcultures.com. We're with Daniel Malarkey of One Energy Systems. We'll be right back. Remember Ross Perot, the Texas millionaire who ran for president in the early 90s? Did you realize that he's built multiple companies that sold for billions? Each of his companies held a strong values-based culture. We interviewed his CFO and COO. His insightful comments on the role of culture in business are posted on the Culture News blog at excellentcultures.com. Take a look. You'll gain wonderful insights to building your own excellent cultures on excellentcultures.com. You can also follow us at XLNT Cultures or Facebook slash Excellent Cultures. Off-the-cuff management is old school at the very least. With culture at the root of every business problem or success, data-driven strategic leadership is where today's best businesses are focused. No one knows that better than Excellent Cultures. After 35 years, they are the Northwest's premier strategic leadership firm. Excellent Cultures has the expertise to read the soul of your business and generate abundance. Take the free BizCulture MRI or ask the experts at excellentcultures.com. As an executive, CEO, or business owner, do you find yourself struggling with work-life balance and achieving your goals at work and home? Are you overwhelmed in your workload and feel important things aren't getting done? Our coaches specialize in helping leaders like you overcome challenges and build a plan to recenter their life, to achieve the balance and success you've always hoped for in your business and your personal life. Ask the experts at Excellent Cultures about the right plan for you. So we're back with Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 with Daniel Markey of One Energy Systems. And we're just talking before the break about the balance between, you know, especially in technology startup companies like One Energy Systems. You know, what's the balance between uh, full out, 80 hours a week, getting the job done, cutting edge, hardworking, you know, people and building a uh, valued culture that is sustainable and I heard Daniel say that it kind of depends upon whether your goal is um, in and out or building a, a sustainable enterprise. Yeah. And then you weigh the balance, depend you know depending upon which way you're going, um, based on the goals of the firm and goals of the organization. Now I, I want to take that to the next step because we've just gotten data on the most recent Gallup poll. Seventy uh, percent hasn't changed in two years. Seventy percent of Americans say not to their bosses, but on the confidential poll, that they are effectively disengaged at work. A new statistic this year, 18%, or let's say 2 out of 10, actually say they hate their jobs. And the most common reason for hating their job is they hate their boss. And, you know, I don't think there's any boss on the planet, uh, except maybe the few that, <laughs> that Daniel mentioned, that are all about, you know, power and control and CYA and, you know, you know, taking advantage. There is some people out there that just want to build their own brand and build their own empire. And And don't uh, care about anybody. Yeah. I mean, if you watch Breaking Bad, you know what that's like. So, okay, so let's say. And it happens in companies, even though it's not uh, drugs. Other than the truly bad guys who wake up every morning with the goal of being bad at the, you know, at at the expense of everybody else, uh, you know, the good guys. Uh, you know, and, and, and I don't think we have 70% bad people in this country. Uh, but we've got a lot of people who are good guys, good people, well, with good cultures who don't wake up in the morning and say, my goal today is to make as many of my people hate me as possible and be the most hated leader in the company. Uh, so, Daniel, wh- wh- where do you think that, that comes from? But most importantly, what do you think we can do as a nation? I mean, you're in a business that has the you know, the capability to impact the whole future of the economy of the nation if it really works like it's supposed to and affects everybody's utility bill and enhances the usability of renewable energy. You know, how can, what can we do about this disengaged workforce piece of the puzzle? 
Yeah, that is a tough. You know, uh, that is a tough. I mean, I, I, it's a tough one to answer. I mean, I think. Um, you know, my experience working with you, Steve, really at Commerce, where we did have some folks who were disengaged, you know, for different reasons, you know, which I think, you know, leaders can, you know, be deliberate about, you know, getting the feedback from their organization and doing anonymous surveys. And then the kind of, you've got to be curious, well, what, what do people really think? You know, and then you, if, you, if you go out there and get that data, that anonymous data, then you go, okay, well, how do we? How can we improve that? And so I think if leaders get curious about what's their culture, how are people, you know, feeling about their work, and then start digging into it in a way that is constructive, that doesn't mean that you know, you don't you, you may not need to make some changes in, in key positions. But you know I think you know one of the key insights of your work with us, Steve, is that you know that it all starts with the leaders. Like this can't be oh yeah we're doing culture this week. You guys go to the seminar and you know the leadership you know your senior executive team is going to keep doing things the way they always have done them. Yeah. You know that it really started with you know the you know Rogers and me and our other my, our colleagues on the senior management team saying okay what do how is it that we're leading? How do we need to change so? that people below us can see that we're willing to change how we do work so they have so that they'll change what they do. Yeah. So really so leadership tra- leadership transparency and a sincere desire to want to improve. Yeah, I mean it just it, 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 it's it all, you know, it really is comes out of the top and you know, it's really it's kind of remarkable really how much um, you know organizations are you know reflect the personality of their leader. And, you know, One Energy uh, was founded by a great guy named Dave Kaplan, who had had a long uh, career at Microsoft. And I think, you know, also being, you know, a little older is, you know, just has got some wisdom that he's brought to the company in terms of his approach and how he treats people. And I think that really, you know, so it's, his leadership is shaping the culture that we've got. Uh, and he's also open to bringing in people like me. And when I say, hey, I wonder if we should, let's have a conversation about this. He says, that's a great idea. Let's have a conversation about that. Um, so I think, you know, it really, you know, the way to, you know, the way to affect that 70% of, of employees who are disengaged is to have leaders who care about employee engagement are willing to measure it and uh, understand that that number is, if it were, you know, uh, if they had a lower percentage who were disengaged, they would have higher performance in their, in their enterprise and then go after it. And, but that really does mean that leadership has to change. And I think, you know, there's, um, you know, there are ways in which, you know, they're, they're, you know sometimes short-term quarterly earnings thinking can also, I think, lead to perverse behavior. There's some broader economic corporate governance issues that you might look at that I think probably play into that. Um, but I think, you know, it's really about leaders who want to treat people well and deliver value who can, you know, combine those two things and, and make some changes. So in listening to what you just said, Daniel, we've been, I've been trying, you know, our job at Excellent Cultures, as you know, is to learn as much as we can from leaders who are really getting it done in terms of building high-performance cultures that deliver uh, breakthrough results and return on investment, not just average or standard. And what I heard, heard you say is that the first step is, do we really care? Uh, do we really care if our you know, people are engaged or not? And if we do care, um, which some may not, because you also told us that you, you know of, of some bad cultures that just really don't care, and um, uh, those are real. But if we really care, the next step I heard you say was leadership transparency and a sincere desire among the leaders to want to improve and to receive feedback. And then you, um, you know, depicted your current, you know, CEO there at One Energy as someone who is open to new and different ideas and new and different people and, you know, willing to hear perspectives from new and different ideas and new and different people. And then it sounds like the last thing that you shared with this was uh, look at it from a, you know, are we after a short-term or a long-term approach? And depending upon what the answer to that question is, how, you know, your strategies and how you engage or don't engage people or whether or not you really care or whether or not you have leaders who want to be transparent and sincerely want to improve or not, um, you know, all all depends upon, you know, the key questions and where you're going. Is that is that a good summary? Yeah. I think that's a great summary. Uh, absolutely, and I think it. 
Yeah, it really, I mean, I think the reason people want to, I mean, there's, for people who are performance-oriented and who tend to default towards let's focus on performance and this is this culture stuff is fluff, I mean, there is good data which says, no, actually, these things, if you go look at, you know, organizations where people say, hey, what matters to you as a person in terms of your work, uh, that actually tends to be pretty highly correlated with high financial performance. Yes, it does. So it's like, hey, wow, so it's it isn't really fluff because these fluff measures are actually pretty highly correlated with these financial measures. Uh, so, I mean, I think that can get people's attention, uh, but then they've got to have the courage to take it on and, you know, and really think about what does it mean to be a leader and how to, what's, the, you know, what's my impact as a leader on the culture and how can I change that? And that just, you know, that uh, takes some courage. So people who love their jobs and love their bosses actually produce more than people who hate their jobs and hate their bosses. Go figure. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. We're down Amazing. to 60 seconds, guys. So, Daniel, put your coach's hat on uh, here really quick as we close up. And uh, what advice can you give to, to leaders of startups, large corporations, government you know, agencies um, that are serious about making a difference in their culture based upon all your experience? I, I would just say, you know, pay attention to your culture. Really be aware of the impact that you as a leader have on your culture and uh, be, become a student of, of company cultures yeah. and look at what other people are doing. Uh, be curious about other corporate cultures and be curious about your own culture and start thinking about, you know, what is it and how is it serving our ends, our, our, our corporate goals. And if it's not, then, you know, take it on as a, you know, as a change because uh, I, it could be highly leveraged in terms of proving your overall performance. Absolutely. Well, there you go, guys. You can catch this show and many others at excellentcultures.com. Thank you, Daniel, for being on the show today. Hey, thanks for the opportunity. I really enjoyed the show. Yeah, Daniel, your feedback was just uh, essential. You know, very, very well said. Very well done. Great perspective. Folks, listen to Daniel's interview and share it with your friends at excellentcultures.com slash podcast. See you soon.